0: section 66 of london labour and the london poor by henry mayhew volume one this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by peter yearsley the street folk part sixty six of the Packmen men or hawkers of soft wares the pack man as he is termed derives his name from carrying his merchandise or pack upon his back these itinerant distributors are far less numerous than they were twenty or twenty-five years since a few years since they were mostly irishmen and their principal merchandise irish linens a fabric not so generally worn now as it was formerly the packmen are sometimes called manchester men these are the men whom i have described as the sellers of shirtings sheetings and so on one man who was lately an assistant in the trade could reckon twenty men who were possessed of good stocks good connections and who had saved money they traded in an honourable manner were well known and much respected the majority of them were natives of the north of ireland and two had been linen manufacturers it is common indeed for all the irishmen in this trade to represent themselves as having been connected with the linen manufacture in belfast this trade is now becoming almost entirely a country trade there are at present i am told only five pursuing it in london none of them having a very extensive connection so that only a brief notice is necessary their sale is of both cottons and linens for shirts they carry them in rolls of thirty-six yards or in smaller rolls each of a dozen yards and purchase them at the haberdashery swag shops at from ninepence to eighteenpence a yard i now speak of good articles their profits are not very large as for the dozen yards which cost them nine shillings they often have a difficulty in getting twelve shillings while in street sale or in hawking from house to house there is great delay a well-furnished pack weighs about one hundredweight and so necessitates frequent stoppages Cotton, for sheetings, is sold in the same manner, costing the vendors from sixpence to one shilling and threepence a yard. Of the tricks of the trade and of the tally system of one of these chapmen, I had the following account, from a man who had been, both as principal and assistant, a travelling packman, but was best acquainted with the trade in and about London. "'My master,' he said, "'was an Irishman and told everybody he had been a manager of a linen factory in Belfast. I believe he was brought up to be a shoemaker, and was never in the north of Ireland. Anyhow, he was very shy of talking about Irish factories to Irish gentlemen. I heard one say to him, "'Don't tell me. You have the cork brogue.' I know he'd got some knowledge of linen weaving at Dundee, and could talk about it very clever. Indeed, he was a clever fellow.' sometimes to hear him talk you'd think he was quite a religious man and at others that he was a big blackguard it wasn't drink that made the difference for he was no drinker it's a great thing on a round to get a man or woman into a cheerful talk and put in a joke or two and that he could do to rights i had twelve shillings a week standing wages from him and bits of commissions from sales that brought me from three shillings to five shillings more he was a buyer of damaged goods, and we used to doctor them. In some, there was perhaps damages by two or three threads being out all the way, so the manufacturers wouldn't send them to their regular customers. My master pretended it was a secret where he got them, but Lord, I knew it was at the swag shop. We used to cut up these in twelves, note twelve yards, end note. Sometimes less if they was very bad and take a congreve and just scorch them here and there where the floors was worst and plaster over other floors with a little flour and dust to look like a stain from street water from the (laughs) fire-engines then they were from the stock of mr anybody the great draper that had his premises burnt down in manchester or glasgow or london if there'd been a good fire to draper's or anywhere we wasn't particular they was fine or strong shirtings he'd say "'and so they was, the sound parts of them, "'and he'd sell as cheap as common calico. "'I've heard him say, "'Why, ma'am, sure, ma'am, "'with your eyes and scissors and needle, "'them burns, ah, fire's a dreadful judgment on a man, "'isn't the least morsel of matter in life. "'The stains is cured in a wash-tub in no time. "'It's only touched by the fire, "'and you can humour it, I know, in cutting out, "'as a shirt ought to be cut. "'It should be as carefully done as a coat.' then we had an irish linen an imitation you know a kind of union which we call double twist it is made i believe in manchester and is a mixture of linen and cotton some of it's so good that it takes a judge to tell the difference between it and real irish he got some beautiful stuff at one time and once sold to a fine-dressed young woman in brompton a dozen yards at two shillings and sixpence a yard and the dozen only cost him fourteen shillings then we did something on tally but he was dropping that trade the shopkeepers undersold him if you get sixty pounds out of a hundred pounds in tally scores he often said it's good money and a fair living profit but he got far more than that what was worth eight shillings was eighteen shillings on tally pay one shilling a week It did most that way with the masters of coffee shops and the landlords of little public houses sometimes if they couldn't pay we'd have dinner and that went to account and he'd quarrel with me after it for what was my share there's not much of this sort of trade now sir i believe my old master got his money together and emigrated do you want any genuine irish linen ma'am uttered in unmistakable brogue seemed to authenticate the fact that the inquirer being an irishman in all likelihood possessed the legitimate article but as to their obtaining their goods from coleraine and other places in the emerald isle famed for the manufacture of linen, it was and is as pure fiction as the travels of Baron Munchausen. The majority of these packmen have discontinued dealing in linens exclusively, and have added silks, ladies' dresses, shawls, and various articles connected with the drapery business. The country and small towns and villages, remote from the neighbourhood of large and showy shops are the likeliest markets for the sale of their goods in london the irish packmen have been completely driven out by the scotch tallymen who indeed are the only class of packmen likely to succeed in london if the persevering scotch tallyman can but set foot in a decent-looking residence and be permitted to display his tempting finery to the lady of the house he generally manages to talk her into purchasing articles that perhaps she had no great occasion for and which serve often to involve her in difficulties for a considerable period causing her no little perplexity and requiring much artifice to keep the talimans weekly visits a secret from her husband to say nothing of paying an enormous price for the goods for the many risks which the tallyman incurs, necessitates, of course, an exorbitant rate of profit. The number of packmen or hawkers of shawls, silks, and so on, I think, says one of their own body, must have decreased full one half within the last few years. The itinerant haberdashery trade is far from the profitable business that it used to be, and not unfrequently do I travel a whole day without taking a shilling. Still perhaps one day's good work will make up for half a dozen bad ones all the packmen have hawker's licenses as they have mostly too valuable a stock to incur the risk of losing it for want of such a privilege some of the fraternity says my informant do not always deal upon the square they profess to have just come from india or china and to have invested all their capital in silks of a superior description manufactured in those countries and to have got them on shore unbeknown to the custom-house authorities this is told in confidence to the servant man or woman who opens the door be so good as to tell the lady as much says the hawker for really i am afraid to carry the goods much longer and i have already sold enough to pay me well enough for my speck. go there's a good girl tell your missis i have splendid goods and am willing almost to give them away and if we makes a deal of it why i don't mind giving you a handsome present for yourself this is a bait not to be resisted should the salesman succeed with the mistress he carries out his promise to the maid by presenting her with a cap ribbon or a cheap neckerchief the most primitive kind of packmen or hawkers of softwares who still form part of the distributing machinery of the country traverse the highlands of scotland they have their regular rounds and regular days of visiting their customers their arrival is looked for with interest by the country people and the inmates of the farmhouse where they locate for the night consider themselves fortunate in having to entertain the pack-man for he is their newsmonger their story-teller their friend and their acquaintance and is always made welcome his wares consist of hose, linsey-woolsey for making petticoats muslins for caps ribbons an assortment of needles pins and netting-pins and all sorts of small wares. He always travels on foot. It is suspected that he likewise does a little in the Jigger line, for many of these Highlanders have, or are supposed to have, their illicit distilleries, and the Packmen are suspected of trafficking without excise interference. Glasgow, Dundee, Gallashiels, and Hoick are the principal manufacturing towns where the Packman replenishes his stock. My own opinion says an informant of considerable experience is that these men seldom grow rich but the prevailing idea in the country part of scotland is that the pedlar has an uncool lung stocking wi an awful amount of golden guineas in it and that his pocket-book is plumped out wi a thick roll of bank-notes indeed there are many instances upon record of poor packmen having been murdered the assassins doubtlessly expecting a rich booty it scarcely ever costs the packman of Scotland anything for his bed and board the Highlanders are a most hospitable people with acquaintances although with strangers at first they are invariably shy and distant in Ireland there is also the travelling pedlar whose habits and style of doing business are nearly similar to that of the scotchman some of the packmen of Scotland have risen to eminence and distinction a quondam lord provost of glasgow a gentleman still living and upon whom the honour of knighthood has been conferred was according to common report in his earlier days a pack-man and rumour also does the gentleman the credit to acknowledge that he is not ashamed to own it i am told by a london hawker of soft goods or packman man that the number of his craft hawking london and its vicinity as far as he can judge is about one hundred and twenty Note, the census of 1841 makes the London hawkers, hucksters, and peddlers amount to 2041. Note. In the 120 are included the Irish linen hawkers. I am also informed that the fair traders' profits amount to about 20%, while those of the not over-particular trader range from 80 to 200% in a fair way of business it is said that the hawker's taking will amount upon an average to seven pounds or eight pounds per week whereas the receipts of the duffer or unfair hawker will sometimes reach to fifty pounds per week many however travel days and do not turn a penny statement of a packman of the way of trading of a travelling peddler i had the following account from one of the body He was well-dressed and a good but keen-looking man of about thirty-five, slim and of rather short stature, with quick dark eyes and bushy whiskers, on which it was evident no small culture was bestowed. His manners were far from obtrusive or importunate to those whom he sought to make customers, for I happened to witness a portion of his proceedings in that respect. But he had a quiet perseverance with him, which, along with perfect civility and something like deference, might be the most efficient means of recommending himself to the maid servants, among whom lay his chief customers. He showed a little of the pride of art in describing the management of his business, but he would not hear that he pattered. He talked to his customers, he declared, as any draper who knew his business well might talk to his. When I saw him his pack which he carried slung over one shoulder contained a few gown pieces of printed cotton nearly all with pink grounds a few shawls of different sizes and three rolls firmly packed each with a card label on which was neatly written French merino full duty paid a b l f eighteen thirty three eighteen fifty one French chocolate there were also six neat paper packages two marked worked collars three gauze handkerchiefs and the other beautiful child's gros de naples the latter consisted of four and a half yards of black silk sufficient for a child's dress he carried with him moreover five umbrellas one enclosed in a bright glazed cover while from its mother-of-pearl handle hung a card addressed the lady's maid victoria lodge thirteen shillings and sixpence this is a very small stock he said, to what I generally carry, but I'm going on a country round to-morrow, and I want to get through it before I lay in a new one. I tell people that I want to sell off my goods cheap, as they're too good for country sale, and that's true, the better half of it. On my expressing some surprise that he should be leaving London at this particular time, he answered, I go into the country because I think all the hawkers will be making for town, and there'll be plenty of customers left in the country." and fewer to sell to them at their own places—that's my opinion. I sell to women of all sorts. Smart-dressing servant-maids, perhaps, are my best customers, especially if they live a good way from any grand ticketing-shop. I sold one of my umbrellas to one of them just before you spoke to me. She was standing at the door, and I saw her give half a glance at the umbrellas, and so I offered them. She first agreed to buy a very nice one at three shillings and threepence, which should have been four shillings but I persuaded her to take one at three shillings and ninepence, which should have been four shillings and sixpence. Look here, ma'am, said I, this umbrella is much bigger, you see, and will carry double, so when you are coming from church of a wet Sunday evening, a friend can have share of it, and very grateful he'll be, as he's sure to have his best hat on. There's been many a question put under an umbrella that way that's made a young lady blush, and take good care of her umbrella when she was married, and had a house of her own, I look sharp after the young and pretty ladies, miss, and shall as long as I'm a bachelor. Oh, says she, such ridiculous nonsense, but I'll have the bigger umbrella because it's often so windy about here, and then one must have a good cover if it rains as well. That's my way, sir. I don't mind telling that, because they do the same in the shops. I've heard them, but they can't put love and sweethearting so cleverly in a crowded shop as we can in a quiet house. It's that I go for, love and sweethearting, and i always speak to any smart servant as if i thought she was the mistress or as if i wasn't sure whether she was the mistress or the lady's maid three times out of four she's housemaid or maid of all work i call her ma'am and young lady and sometimes miss it's no use offering to sell until a maid has tidied herself in the afternoon not a bit i should make a capital draper's shopman i know only i could never bear the confinement i never will hear such words as i don't want it or nothing more to-day no more than if i was behind a counter the great difficulty i have is to get a chance of offering my goods if i ring at a gate for i always go a little way out of town they can see who it is and i may ring half an hour for nothing if the door's opened it's often shut again directly and i just hear Bother. I used to leave a few bills, and I do so still in some parts of the country, with a list of goods, and this bill to be called for printed at the bottom. But I haven't done that in town for a long time. It's no good. People seem to think it's giving double trouble. One of the prettiest girls I ever saw where I called one evening pointed, just as I began to say I left a bill and to some paper round a candle in a stick, and shut the door laughing. "'In selling my gown-pieces I say they are such as will suit the complexion, and such-like, and I always use my judgment in saying so. Why shouldn't I? It's the same to me, what colour I sell.' "'It's a genteel thing, ma'am,' I'll say to a servant-maid, and such as common people won't admire. It's not staring enough for them. I'm sure it would become you, ma'am, and it's very cheap, cheaper than you could buy at a shop, for all these things are made by the same manufacturers, and sold to the wholesale dealers at the same price.' and a shopkeeper you know has his young men and taxes and rates and gas and fine windows to pay for and i haven't so it don't want much judgment to see that i must be able to sell cheaper than shopkeepers and i think your own taste ma'am will satisfy you that these here are elegant patterns that's the way i go on no doubt there's others do the same but i know and care little about them i have my own way of doing business and never trouble myself about other people's patter or nonsense. Now that piece of silk I shall most likely sell to the landlady of a public house, where I see there's children. I shall offer it after I've got a bit of dinner there, or when I've said I want a bit. It's no use offering it there, though, if it isn't cheap. They're too good judges. Innkeepers aren't bad customers, I think, taking it all together, to such as me, if you can get to talk to them, as you sometimes can at their bars they're generally wanting something, that's one step. I always tell them that they ought to buy of men, in my way, who live among them, and not of fine shopkeepers, who never came near their houses. I've sold them both cottons and linens, after such talk as that. I live at public houses in the country. I sleep nowhere else. My trade in town is nothing to what it was ten or a dozen years back. I don't know the reason exactly. I think so many throppenny buses is one, for they'll take any servant when she's got an afternoon to a thoroughfare full of ticket shops and bring her back and a bundle of purchases too for another threepence i shall cut it altogether, i think and stick to the country why i've known the time when i should have met from half a dozen to a dozen people trading in my way in town and for these three days and dry days too i haven't met one my way of trading in the country is just the same as in town I go from farmhouse to farmhouse, or call at gentlemen's grand seats. If a man's known to the servants there, it may be the best card he can play, and I call at every likely house in the towns or villages. I only go to a house and sell a mistress or maid the same sort of goods, a little cheaper perhaps, and recommend them in the same way, as is done every day at many a fine city and borough and West End shop. I never say they're part of a bankrupt stock. A packful would seem nothing for that. I never pretend that they're smuggled. Mine's a respectable trade, sir. There's been so much dodging that way. It's been a great stop to fair trading, and I like to go on the same round more than once. A person once taken in by smuggled handkerchiefs or anything won't deal with a hawker again, even though there's no deception. But duffing and all that is going down fast, and I wish it was gone altogether. I do nothing in tally. I buy my goods, and I've bought all sorts, in wholesale houses, of course, and I'd rather lay out ten pounds in Manchester than in London. Oh, as to what I make, I can't say it's enough to keep me, I've only myself, and escape the income tax. Sometimes I make ten shillings a week, sometimes twenty shillings, sometimes thirty shillings, and I have made fifty shillings, and one week, the best I ever did, I made as much as seventy-four shillings and sixpence. That's all I can say.' perhaps it may be sufficiently accurate to compute the average weekly earnings of a smart trader like my informant at from twenty-one shillings to twenty-five shillings in london and from twenty-five shillings to thirty shillings in the country of the tally packman the peddler tallyman is a hawker who supplies his customers with goods receiving payment by weekly installments and derives his name from the tally or score he keeps with his customers linen drapery or at least the general routine of linen draper's stock as silk mercery hosiery woolen cloths and so on is the most prevalent trade of the tallyman. there are a few shoemakers and some household furniture dealers who do business in the tally or score system but the great majority are linen drapers though some of them sell household furniture as well. The system is generally condemned as a bad one, as leading to improvidence in the buyer and rapacity in the seller. There are many who have incurred a tally debt and have never been able to get ahead of it, but have been kept poor by it all their lives. Some few, however, may have been benefited by the system and, as an outfit for a young man or woman entering service is necessary when the parties are too poor to pay ready money it is an accommodation i have never heard any of the tallyman's customers express an opinion upon the subject other than that they wish they had done with the tallyman or could do without him the system does not prevail to so great an extent as it did some years back the peddler or hawking tallyman travels for orders and consequently is said not to require a hawker's license. The great majority of the tally packmen are scotchmen. The children who are set to watch the arrival of the packman and apprise the mother of his approach when not convenient to pay whisper instead of mother hears the tallyman mother hears the scotchman. These men live in private houses which they term their warehouse. They are many of them, proprietors themselves in a small way, and conduct the whole of their business unassisted. Their mode of doing business is as follows. They seldom knock at a door except they have a customer upon whom they call for the weekly instalment. But if a respectable-looking female happens to be standing at her door, she in all probability is accosted by the Scotchman. Do you require anything in my way to-day, ma'am? This is often spoken in broad Scotch, the speaker trying to make it sound as much like English as possible. Without waiting for a reply, he then runs over a programme of the treasures he has to dispose of, emphasising all those articles which he considers likely to suit the taste of the person he addresses. She doesn't want, perhaps, any. She has no money to spare, then. "'She may want something in his way another day, maybe,' says the tallyman. "'Will she grant him permission to exhibit some beautiful shawls, the last new fashion?' or some new style of dress just out and an extraordinary bargain the man's importunities and the curiosity of the lady introduces him into the apartment an acquaintance is called in to pass her opinion upon the tallyman's stock should she still demur he says oh i'm sure your husband cannot object he will not be so unreasonable besides consider the easy mode of payment you will only have to pay one shilling and sixpence a week for every pound's worth of goods you take why it's like nothing you possess yourself of respectable clothing and pay for them in such an easy manner that you never miss it well i'll call next week i shall leave you this paper the paper left is a blank form to be filled up by the husband and runs thus i agree on behalf of my wife to pay by weekly instalments of one shilling and sixpence upon every pound's worth of good she may purchase this proceeding is considered necessary by the tallymen as the judges in the court of requests now so frequently decide against him where the husband is not cognizant of the transaction. These preliminaries being settled, and the question having been asked what business the husband is, where he works, and, if it can be done without offence, what are his wages? The Scotchman takes stock of the furniture and so on, the value of what the room contains, gives him a sufficiently correct estimate of the circumstances of his customers his next visit is to the nearest chandler's shop and there as blandly as possible he inquires into the credit and so on of mr if he deal however with the chandler the tallyman accounts it a bad omen as people in easy circumstances seldom resort to such places it is unpleasant to me he says to the chandler making these inquiries but mrs wishes to open an account with me and i should like to oblige them if i thought my money was safe do you trust them and what sort of payers are they according to the reply the tallyman determines upon his course but he rarely stops here he makes inquiries also at the greengrocers the beer-shop and so on the persons who connect themselves with the tallyman little know the inquisition they subject themselves to When the tallyman obtains a customer who pays regularly, he is as importunate for her to recommend him another customer as he originally was to obtain her custom. Some tallymen who keep shops have travellers in their employ, some of whom have salaries, while others receive a percentage upon all payments, and do not suffer any loss upon bad debts. Notwithstanding the caution of the tallyman, he is frequently victimized. Many pawn the goods directly they have obtained them, and in some instances spend the money in drink. There are many losses as a matter of course somebody must make good. It therefore becomes necessary for them to charge a higher price for their commodities than the regular trader. However charitably inclined the tallyman may be at first, he soon becomes, I am told, inured to scenes of misery while the sole feeling in his mind at length is, "'I will have my money,' for he is often tricked, and in some cases most impudently victimized. I am told by a tallyman that he once supplied goods to the amount of two pounds, and when he called for the first installment, the woman said she didn't intend to pay, the goods didn't suit her, and she would return them. The tallyman expressed his willingness to receive them back, whereupon she presented him a pawnbroker's duplicate she had pledged them an hour after obtaining them this was done in a court in the presence of a dozen women who all chuckled with delight at the joke the principal portion of the tallyman's customers are poor mechanics when the appearance of the house and the inquiries out of doors are approved of no security is required but the tallyman would at all times rather add a security when attainable Servant girls who deal with tallymen must find the security of a housekeeper, and when such housekeeper agrees to be responsible for the payments, the same inquisitorial proceedings are adopted in order to ascertain the circumstances of the surety. There are about fifty drapery shops in London where the tally trade is carried on, and about two hundred Scotchmen, beside fifty others, part English, part Irish, are engaged in the trade a clerk of a tally shop at the west end informs me that there are ten collectors and canvassers for customers out each day from that one establishment and that until lately they were accustomed to collect moneys on sundays some collect as much as twelve pounds or fourteen pounds a day and some not more than two pounds or three pounds the average sum collected may be about five pounds each or fifty pounds per day by the whole the profits are thirty per cent the bad debts ten per cent thus leaving twenty per cent net the scotchman who does not choose to extend his business beyond his own cautious superintendence is content with smaller profits perhaps twenty per cent and his bad debts may be estimated at two and a half per cent one of the body informed me that he had been in the tally trade about five years that he commenced with a capital of only ten pounds and that now his collections average thirty pounds per week he never bought he said on credit and his stock on hand is worth nearly two hundred pounds cost price while his outstanding debts are nearly two hundred pounds also this is a flourishing state of affairs he remarked i do not owe a penny in the world and i have accomplished all this in little less than five years This man had served his apprenticeship to a draper in Glasgow, and had originally arrived in London with twenty pounds in his pocket. After some weeks' fruitless endeavour to obtain a situation, his money dwindling away the while, he was advised by a fellow-countryman, who was a tallyman, to try the tally trade. For a few days previous to adopting the business, he went the rounds with his friend, for the purpose of getting initiated, and the week after started on his own account. Notwithstanding his having no hawker's license, he tried to effect sales for ready money, and, to a trifling extent, succeeded. The first week he obtained three tally customers. He could have got, he said, a dozen, but he selected three whom he considered good, and he was not deceived, for they continued to be customers of his to this day. The amount of goods that each of these took of him was twenty shillings, and the three installments of one shilling and sixpence each four shillings and sixpence per week the tallyman determined to subsist upon though his lodging and washing cost him two shillings per week he lived principally upon porridge and skim milk indulging now and then in the luxury of a herring and a few potatoes in twelve weeks he had added only one more credit customer to his books he had hawked for ready money and had succeeded so far as to increase his stock to fifteen pounds in value His first three customers had by this time paid their accounts, and again patronized him. In the course of a little time his fourth customer had also paid up, and had another supply of goods. He then added two more tally customers, and commenced indulging, though very seldom, in a mutton-chop. He progressed slowly, and is now in flourishing circumstances he states that he has met with only one loss during his connection with the tally trade and that but a trifling one it is those who wish to drive a very extensive business he says who are principally victimized the most industrious of the packmen tallymen seldom travel less than twenty miles a day carrying a burthen upon their backs of from one hundred to one hundred and twenty pounds they used to carry merely patterns to their customers but they find that the full-length article is more likely to secure purchasers and customers. Those who keep shops do not carry goods with them. The would-be customer is invited to the shop. The best day for business in the tally trade is Monday, and most of these shops upon that day are crowded. Sometimes an unsolicited customer, mostly a female, presents herself and wishes to be supplied with goods on tally. "'Who recommended you?' inquires the tallyman. "'Oh, Mrs. Blank, sir, a customer of yours.' "'Ah, indeed, very much obliged, Mrs. Blank,' is the answer. "'The articles required are shown, selected, and cut. "'The new customer is treated most civilly by the tallyman, "'who further inquires her name and abode. "'The purchaser, of course, expects the next process "'will be to deliver up the parcel to her, "'when she is informed that they will send it home for her. "'Oh,' she replies, i won't trouble you i can carry it myself our rule ma'am returns the tallyman is always to send parcels home we certainly cannot doubt your respectability but we never deviate from our practice the disappointed female departs and if the inquiries do not prove satisfactory she never hears further from the tallyman the goods which she selected and which were cut expressly for her find their way to the shelves of the establishment if however a good customer accompanies a friend whom she wishes to recommend the parcels are delivered when purchased if required the tallyman to good customers often extends his civilities to a glass of wine or if the ladies prefer it which it must be confessed they mostly do a glass of gin there is another class of tallymen who sell clocks receiving payment by weekly instalments these are content with an installment of one shilling in the pound per week. They are principally Germans who can speak English. Their proceedings altogether are similar to the tally linen-draper. I have given the rise and progress of a Scotch tallyman, and will now relate the downfall of another, an Englishman. He commenced a tally-shop in the neighborhood of and was carrying on a prosperous and daily increasing trade. At one time, a bill in the shop-window announced that an errand-boy was wanted an applicant soon presented himself was engaged and proved a steady lad in the course of a few weeks this youth was promoted to the office of serving in the shop and afterwards became collecting clerk george said his master one day we have three days in the week unemployed suppose you try and form a connection around finchley highgate hampstead and that neighbourhood George was quite willing to make the experiment, and succeeded beyond expectations. The country connection soon surpassed the town trade, and George, the errand boy, became a man of some consequence in the establishment. The principal of the firm was what is termed gay. He was particularly fond of attending public entertainments. He sported a little as well, and delighted in horse racing. His business, though an excellent one, was neglected the books got out of order and he became involved in difficulties an examination of his affairs took place and a mr r blank was engaged from a wholesale house in the city to assist in making up the accounts and so on during this person's sojourn in the shop he saw that george the quondam errand boy was the chief support of the concern the country customers had never seen any other person and a partnership was proposed the proposal was accepted, and the firm r and w became one of the most prosperous tally shops in the neighborhood of Tottenham Court Road. George's master was made bankrupt, and is now a street seller in Fitzroy Market, vending sandwiches and so on. The cases are not a few where ruin has followed a connection with the tallymen. I will particularize one instance related to me on good authority a lawyer's clerk married when young a milliner his salary was a guinea per week and he and his wife had agreed to get on in the world they occupied furnished lodgings at first but soon accumulated furniture of their own and every week added some little useful article towards their household stock at the end of a year said the individual in question i had as comfortable a little home as any man would wish to possess i was fond of it too and would rather have been there than anywhere else my wife frequently wished to obtain credit it would be so easy says she to pay a trifling instalment and then we could obtain immediately whatever we might want i objected and preferred supplying our wants gradually knowing that for ready money i could purchase to much better advantage consequently we still kept progressing and i was really happy judge my astonishment one day when i came home and found an execution was in the house my wife had run in debt with the tallymen unknown to me summonses had been served which by some means she had concealed from me the goods which i had taken so much pains to procure were seized and sold but this was not all my wife grew so much alarmed at the misery she had caused that she fled from me and i have never seen her but once since this occurred seven years ago and she has been for some time the companion of those who hold their virtue of little worth. For some time after this I cared not what became of me. I lost my situation and sunk to be a supernumerary for one shilling a night at one of the theatres. Here, after being entrusted with a line to speak, I eventually rose to a general utility man at twelve shillings per week. With this and some copying that I occasionally obtained from the law stationers, I managed to live, but far from comfortably, for I never think of saving now, and only look out for copying when I stand in need of more money. I am always poor, and scarcely ever have a shilling to call my own. Some of the principal establishments doing largely in the tally trade are in or about Red Lion Square and Street, the higher part of High Holborn, the vicinity of Tottenham Court Road, the Blackfriars, Waterloo, Westminster, St. George's, Walworth, New Kent, and Dover Roads. At some of these tally shops horses and carts are kept to carry out the goods ordered of the travellers, especially when furniture is supplied as well as drapery, while in others the travellers are resident on the premises and are occasionally shopmen, for a large tallymaster not unfrequently carries on a retail trade in addition to his tally business." The tallymen not concerned with these large establishments, but carrying on trade on their own account, reside generally in the quieter streets in the neighbourhood of the thoroughfares I have mentioned, and occupy perhaps the ground floor, letting, for the house is generally their own, the other apartments. Sometimes a piece of cotton print is placed in their parlour window, and sometimes there is no indication whatever of any business being carried on within, for the Hawking tallymen do not depend in any measure upon situation or display, but solely on travelling and personal solicitations at people's own residences End of section sixty six